Now turn to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. We're dealing again tonight with the message of Stephen. In the part there where he deals with Moses. And that's why I read that in Psalms 105. If you get over into the first part of 105, it talks about Joseph. When we looked at Joseph, how he was in prison. And how that God brought, used Joseph to bring the children of Israel to Egypt. Because it's in Egypt. And the land of Ham that God is going to bring, raise up his church that were only 70 people. And there's many different opinions as to how many people they were when they left. But we know it's at least over a a million people left. And they were glad to see them go. But in Egypt is where God made his church. It's in Egypt where God raised up a deliverer named Moses. It's in Egypt. It's in this world of Ham, this world, this Egypt, in which we live and we move and we have our being. And our God rules over everything like he did in Egypt. Even the little caterpillars and the locusts, all those things served his purpose. And by the time he brought them out, they knew he is God. But Stephen is preaching to people who are religious. People who know the scriptures that I just Read and we could go. We're going to read some in from the book of Exodus, but they did not know the God of the scriptures. They were very religious, but they were very lost. And Stephen, he's he's preaching these words almost verbatim to what is written in the book of Exodus, where God inspired it, and He inspired Stephen. But he's using Stephen to preach to these people and to reprove these people and show them because they didn't they believe Christ was an imposter. And what are they going to do with all these people being converted? Thousands of people have been converted by now. What are they going to do with all this? We got to stop this. Just like Pharaoh said, we can't let these Hebrews multiply like this. We're going to afflict them. We're going to even take all the baby boys. We're going to come and get every one of them and throw them in the Nile River. Can you imagine dealing with that? But God raised up that Pharaoh. He was a Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph, who didn't believe Joseph, who hated Joseph. The only reason Egypt was there was because of Joseph. He didn't care. He said, I'm going to stop them. You know what that is? That's satanic. Exactly what that is. We're going to stop them. How are we going to stop them? We're going to kill the little baby boys. We're going to drown every one of them. But you know what the Bible says? The more they afflicted them, the more they grew. You know what that's saying? God uses affliction to grow his people spiritually. Really, we, we, we don't, none of us love pain. None of us love sickness. None of us love to see our families get sick. But those things, they are good for us. David said, it was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn his statutes. When he afflicted them, when he used the Egyptians to afflict them, Egypt learned something, and the Israelites learned something. You think about this. These things they had heard about for years. They talked about Abraham. They talked about Isaac. 
They talked about Jacob. They talked about the promises. But you can imagine, you don't have any scriptures. You don't have anything that you can pick up and read each day. How are you to get through the day? Well, God said one day he'd visit us. Then you know, it's pretty hard out here laying these bricks or making these bricks for these men who don't appreciate it. Look at them. They just laying out under the sun, drinking what all they want to. And look at us. We're, we're having to serve these people. How long is God going to let this go on? And we're going to see when he finally brings them out, he said, and this is kind of ironic, he said, I have seen their affliction, and I have heard their cry. And what he's saying, it's time. But this has been hundreds of years. It's been hundreds of years since our Lord left. He promised he's coming again, but I'm here to tell you, He's coming. He's coming. So here in Acts 7, let's begin there in verse, I think it's verse 17. And when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, the time is about to be fulfilled the time that God promised. And he swore to Abraham the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. It's just like all of a sudden they begin to multiply, just like his church was doing. All of a sudden, they'd went on playing religion for years, but now Christ has come. Christ is exalted. Christ sends back his Holy Spirit, and he raises up his church in that dark day. They begin to multiply. 3,000 souls, 5,000 souls, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Believed. Verse 18. Till another king arose, as I've already mentioned, which knew not Joseph, the same dealt roughly with our kindred, and evil entreated our fathers so that they cast out their young children to the end that they may not live. You know, that's hard, hard person in it. They can't love a child that would destroy children to satisfy the lust of their flesh. This was what they thought. And through the very thing they thought they were using, the very thing that they were using to destroy these children is the very means that God will use to raise up a deliverer. Raise up a deliverer. In which time Moses was born. Really? It just, did it just happen? Oh, no, it, ha it happened okay. It happened on purpose. Moses was born. Well, who's Moses. He's just a Hebrew little boy, a little baby. But he's more than that. He's God's chosen servant. For such a time as this. And he was exceeding fair. Now that means, that doesn't just mean that he was 
his flesh was appealing, that he was an attractive man. God didn't spare him because as all the other children were dying, why did God spare Moses? Not because he was an attractive child. They saw something in this child. Their parents did. They knew that God had chosen this child. They knew it. He's different. And they hid him. You imagine trying to hide a child for three months from executioners. He was exceeding fair, and he was nourished up in his father's house three months. His mother and father nourished him, cared for him, watched over him for three months. And when he was cast out, what that means, you remember the story, Moses' mother, and how could she, you, when we read this, you just almost see the humor that God, how God works. He says he laughs at the enemy. She makes a basket, and she covers it with pitch. Now, the word pitch there is the same word that Moses used to cover the ark and protected it and sealed it so no water would come in. If she just puts a basket in the water, it's going to sink. But what's going to protect this pitch, you know what pitch is a picture of? It's a picture of the atonement. What protects you from the wrath of God? The atonement of Christ. What protected that ark from the flood coming in and destroying every one of them? The atonement of Christ. What protected Moses? He was chosen before the foundation of the world. And she covered it. And you imagine this. She takes that baby and she lays it in that basket. I think she put a lid over it. It doesn't say, but I think she did. And slid it out into the river. Out there in the river where the crocodiles are. Out there in the river where, they, where they've done destroyed all these babies. We don't know how many they've killed. And why would he do it? That, why would she do it this way? I believe she was led of the Lord. Now see, Moses had two siblings that are older than him. Miriam, his sister's watching it. His mom said, you watch that basket. And he had an older brother named Aaron. So Aaron had to have been born before the decree was made that those children be destroyed. <coughs> Excuse me. So Miriam's watching her little baby brother. Wonder what's gonna happen. She hears voices coming. Maybe at least it'll be some Hebrews. Oh no, it's Egyptians. And it's not just any Egyptians. It's Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, it's his own daughter who is childless, who doesn't have any children. And she sees this basket, and she tells one of her maids to go get the basket and bring it here. And it said when she opened it up, the baby cried. She said, well, look what I've found. It's no accident she found him. What if someone else had found him? But she found him. You see, God's will and his providence. This is how God works in our lives. You think it said by faith they did this. Abraham, I mean, it says in Hebrews eleven twenty three. here's what it says about that act of Moses, his mother and father. By faith, when he was born, 
was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. We're not afraid of that king. You know why? We serve God. That's how God described it. You know how they did it? They did it by faith. You said, I couldn't do that. And they as none of us could apart from faith. The dearest thing you've got, a precious life of a child, but this child's going to be the deliverer. And how's he going to deliver him? This is how he's going to work. He's going to use Pharaoh's daughter. She picks that baby up. And just, just so happened, here's Miriam. I think she's overhead. She runs up there and she said, do you want me to go call one of them Hebrew women to nurse that baby? Oh, yeah, that'd be a good idea. You know who she goes against? Moses' own mama. <laughs> and she says, I'm going, to, I'm going to pay you to raise this baby. I'm going to pay you to nurse this baby. You know, you wonder... They never got paid nothing for them bricks they laid. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Those that honor me, I'll honor them. And she nurses that baby till the age that he is weaned. And he's not a young child. He could have been 11 or 12 years old. We don't know. That's when they wean children. But then for the rest of his life, he's trained in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Now they were the supreme power in that day. They studied philosophy. They studied arithmetic. They studied the astrology. They, they studied these things. Moses studied them. Why did God do this? To teach him. To train him. He's going to teach him the ways of the Egyptians. You know, it's different than seeing them. Then this man goes into the palace. And why does he go into the palace? He has a right because he's Pharaoh's grandson. She adopted him as her son. She raised him as her son. She loved him as her son. He was her son in her eyes. And you know what? I think Moses respected her as his mother. You know, we don't think about that part of it, do you? That if God took you from this place and he placed you right over here, a place you'd never been, a place you'd only heard about, you'd, they, all their false gods and everything, and he put you right there and they'll say, I'm going to teach you. And he did. He taught him in all the ways. Because it says in verse 22, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in word and in deed. Some believe he was a minister of the state. He had a very high office. I could see when he walked in, I could see people bow to him. I, I, it doesn't say, but I think he was a military leader. I think, he was, I think he was a man's man. God had raised him up. And God was teaching him, but he's not through teaching him. And when he was full, and it doesn't say in Exodus, I'll show you in a minute, when he was full, 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. He never forgot who he was. He's, he, he may look like an Egyptian, and it actually says when he goes to, to Midian on the backside of the desert, when Jethro's daughters was at that well, when they went to tell their daddy who helped them, they said an Egyptian helped them. How did they know he, was, he looked like an Egyptian? 
He probably talked like an Egyptian. But you know who he is? He's God's deliverer. He's a Jew. <laughs> There's no changing that fact. He's a Jew. No changing the fact. He's God's chosen one. And God orders your steps, and he orders my steps, just like he did Moses. Now, I know Moses, and we know he's a picture of Christ, no question about it. But Moses was a real man. He was a real man who had feelings. He was a real man who must believe God, and he did. And God taught him. Let me tell you this. They shall be all taught of God. You have to be taught of God or you won't know anything. You can know a lot of facts and never be taught. But when God teaches somebody, he teaches them graciously, kindly, and he don't get in a hurry. When he was full 40 years old, that's a long time. God's going to do something else. He came into his heart to visit his brethren. Not just in his mind, his heart. Why did he do that? He loved them. God taught him to love those people. If he didn't, when they begin to murmur in the land of the wilderness, in the wilderness, Moses prayed that God would spare them. Because one, one time God said, Moses, I'll kill every one of them and I'll raise up a nation by you. And he said, don't do it, Lord. But it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him. Avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. Here's Moses' attempt to deliver the people. And the next day, verse 26, he showed himself to them as they strove and, and would have set them at one again, saying, Sure, as your brethren, why do you wrong one another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away and said, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Will you kill me as you did as the Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses fled at the saying was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. When he was four or forty years of age, he came. He must some way knew that God was going to use him to be a deliverer. And Moses, being like us, he, you know what, we, this is how we think it'll work. It said he supposed. That's how we always get in trouble. We suppose. When Naaman come to Elisha to be healed of his leprosy, he supposed that Elisha would come out on the porch and make a big deal about it, and he didn't, and made him mad. Murray and Joseph come to Jerusalem when our Lord's 12 years old, and he stays in the temple, and they're going back home. Been gone two days from Jerusalem, and they supposed that Jesus was with them. And he wasn't. Moses supposed that these people... Cheryl would understand that God, by his hand, would deliver them. They didn't understand. He just supposed they would. But even in that, there was a purpose. 
First of all, we see he first sees an Egyptian mistreating a Jew. And then it says that Moses looked to the right hand and to the left, see if anybody could see. And Moses killed that Egyptian. I think he killed him with a sword. I think he was pretty good with a sword. And he killed him and buried him in sand and said, now that's the end of that. Does he think he can kill every Egyptian? Does he think that he can actually raise up these, these slaves and make them warriors and deliver themselves? I guess he did. But he's going to have to be taught that that's not the way. And it says the next day. And I thought that was ironic because it says when Joseph came, when Joseph came the first time, they didn't recognize him. It was the second time he made himself known. And the next day, Moses visits them again. And now he sees two Hebrews fighting against each other. He said, why are y'all fighting against each other? And one guy who was probably madder than the other one said, whose business is it? It ain't, it ain't your business. What are you doing here? Who gave you the right? You ain't no judge or ruler over us. He said, you're going to do to me like you did that Egyptian? You're going to kill me? Can you imagine what Moses thing? He's in a pickle now. Moses is now forced to leave Egypt. Moses supposed that his brethren would have understood how that by God's hand, and they understood not. It is God who's going to deliver his people from bondage. Remember that, thought Moses. Now, he will use Moses. But God said, I've come down to deliver my people. Moses loved his people. And as I thought about this, those people may have looked at Moses as an enemy. Because he looked like an Egyptian. You, you, they probably said, you can't trust him. He's, he, and you know, I don't even, I could see him say, I don't even know if he is a Hebrew. He don't look like one. He don't talk like one. I, I just don't know. That's where Moses is at. Well, he can't go back to the palace now. And the Jews won't have him. Now what's he to do? Only one recourse. He has to leave. Leave the, leave the throne. Leave ruling in Egypt. Leave that lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> To go where? To the backside of a desert. Let me read you this. Or turn to Exodus chapter 2 verse 11. This is how the account's given in Exodus. And it came to pass, Exodus chapter 2 verse 11. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, he went into his brethren and looked on, the, on the, their burden. He saw how they was being mistreated, and he spied an Egyptian smiling in Hebrew, one of his brethren. He looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said, to him that did the wrong, Wherefore do you smite thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a ruler over us? Do you intend to kill me as thou killed the Egyptian? 
And here's what it says here. And Moses feared. And he said, surely this is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. Why is he, what's he doing here for? Why? And you ask, why did he go to this place? You know what's in this place? A place called Mount Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, where God's going to meet Moses. And for 40 years, God's going to train Moses on the backside of a desert. The first 40 years, Danny had it pretty good. He had anything he could have wanted. I could see him riding chariots. They'd say, bow to Moses. Who's this man here? Oh, he's just some Egyptian. Where's he going to live? How's he going to survive? But let me read to you. Have you ever noticed this? It's like if all you knew about Lot was what we read in the book of Genesis, every one of us would say that man's a lost man. That's what unbelief says. That's, what, that's how we live. But what does God say about it? How does God see him? How did God see Abraham? Now, this is why he said about Abraham when he left Egypt. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Only faith would do that. I could see him say, Mama, I love you, and I appreciate everything you've taught me. But there's an afflicted people over there. They're my people. By faith, he did that. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He believed God. He refused. Don't call me the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Refused to be called. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. He says, look at all this that I can enjoy. Who would give all this up? Moses did. You mean he forsook it all? He sure did. Why would somebody do that? F-A-I-T-H, faith. Esteeming. He esteemed the reproach. He didn't, he, he said he esteemed the reproach of what? Christ. Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. If you want to say it was a choice, which one are you, which one are you going to choose? You're going to choose the pleasures of this world? The treasures of this world? They're at your beck and call. It's yours. Or are you going to forsake everything for him? You know what that is? That's salvation. If you love your father or your mother or your children or your own life more than me, he said, you can't be my disciple. Isn't it amazing how God, when God gives somebody faith? The Egyptians would have said, you're crazy. You're crazy. The Jews would have said, you're crazy. He saw someone 
steaming the reproach of Christ. You know why Stephen's were being reproached? For Christ's sake, because he preached the gospel to those people. You know why men hate you? For Christ's sake. Now, I know we can be offensive and we can be rude at times, but the offense lays at Christ. If we tell men about Christ, they said, we won't have, the, who made you a judge and a ruler over us? That's what they said to our Lord. We will not have this man to reign over us. Well, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, he reigns over all men. Everything. What we thought was a mistake. What we thought was when Moses basically committed murder. David committed adultery. We can't explain those things, but I do know this. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For he had respect unto the, res to the recompense of the reward by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Remember when I read about his parents? They didn't fear the wrath of the king. Moses didn't fear him either. That ain't why he left. Now it reads that way in Exodus, doesn't it? It said he, he was afraid Pharaoh's going to kill him. I remember one day there somebody threatened our Lord. He said, you go tell that fox. I'm doing miracles today, and I'm going to do miracles tomorrow. And basically, there's nothing to do about it. He didn't. What are, we, what are we to learn from that? We don't have to be afraid. Boy, the enemy loves to intimidate, doesn't he? Where are you going to stay, Moses? You know what? And what I thought was ironic, I'd never thought about it till today. Moses didn't marry an Egyptian. He married a Midianite, but not an Egyptian. You would have thought by 40 years that he would have been a catch. And he's not married. But it's on the backside of the desert. It's where he meets Jethro's daughter and marries her and has two sons. <laughs> on the backside of the desert, God humbled him. On the backside of the desert, he has a wife. On the backside of the desert, he has two children. And on the backside of the desert, God's going to meet him. <laughs> Forty years later. Forty years leading sheep. You know what the Lord's teaching him? Because one day, the very place where Moses has to find water for sheep and, and grass for sheep for his father-in-law. They're his sheep. One day he's going to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, which are God's sheep, and he's going to bring them to that very mount. Isn't that ironic? It's like deja vu. <laughs> Seemed like I've been here before. <laughs> he had. And he's coming back to that place. God told him. Like I said, Moses has to flee. And he fled. Now verse, verse 30. So Moses gives very little information about the backside of the desert. We, we know that's where the Lord made himself known in and his life is broken down into 40-year spaces, three, 40 years. He was 120 when he died. We know that. 
he was 40 years old when he went to see his people, and he's 40 years, he's 80 years, he's 80 years old now. 80 years old. Don't you know Moses thought, well, I thought God was going to use me to deliver Israel. He's finding out now if God delivers his people, Moses ain't near as proud. You know what the Bible says? He's the meekest man who ever lived, but he lost his temper. I can tell you he had to be a meek man to put up with them people. Always grumbling, always complaining. You're always doing it wrong, Moses. Read on. And when 40 years were expired, now watch this. He was going through his everyday life. There appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. Most every time when God came, his presence is manifested by fire. I can see Moses up on that mount. He thinks it's just any other mount. But that day's different. There's a bush burning. An old dry bush. And it's not consumed. Which is a picture of our Lord. Who was a root at a dry ground. And the wrath of God, the fire of God, did not consume him. And the Lord, how is God going to speak to you? The same way he spoke to Moses, through a mediator. This is the Lord Jesus Christ revealing himself to Moses, and he's going to tell Moses what he's called him to do. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight, and as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him. And notice what he said, saying, I what? I am. The God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and then the God of Jacob. And then Moses trembled and does not behold. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. We're just standing, I'm standing on a mat, and there's carpet and wood. That doesn't make a place holy. But I tell you what does make a place holy. It's where God meets with his people and where God speaks. He said, Moses, you pull off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. Why would God single this man out? This is usually how God works. He will usually get you alone on the back side of the desert. And you go, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Just going through my everyday routine. And God speaks. You said, how will I know when God speaks? I just, I don't know how to explain to you. You'll know it. You'll know it. Look what the Lord said in verse 34. I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt. And I have heard their groanings. And they am come down to deliver them. And now come, and I will send you into Egypt. Now he's ready to go back. Forty years earlier, he wasn't ready. He thought he was. 
man, I've, I know the wisdom of Egypt. I know all these things. And I know this is my brethren. They, there's not Egyptian strong enough to take me on. It's not by your mind. It's not by your wisdom. It's by God's grace. And he told him. He said, Moses, I'm going to send you to Egypt. And Moses is going to go back a different man. God has told him. You know what someone said? If you ever meet God, even in a bush, you can go stand before Pharaoh. You could stand before anybody and not be afraid and say, you let my people go. You let my people go. This Moses, whom they refused, saying, and he elaborates, this Moses, that Moses that you claim to worship, y'all you talk about is Moses, Moses, Moses. And you said, I've blasphemed the name of Moses. This Moses, whom they refused, saying, and that's what they basically all said. They all refused him. Didn't they not refuse our Lord? Pilate brings him out to our Lord, and there's a crown of thorns on his head. They've beaten him, and they've scourged him. He don't even look like a man. They said, we don't want him. We want us a murderer. What do you want me to do with Jesus? Take him and crucify him. We could care less what you do with him. They refused him. And you know men today? They refuse him. He said, This Moses, whom they refused, saying, Who made me a ruler and a judge? The same, the same one that they rejected, the same one did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. Who is the deliverer of God's people? The Lord Jesus Christ. He hath delivered us. He shall. He, he is delivering us and he shall. They said, we won't have them to reign over us. But you remember this, God used Moses to deliver them. He used him. He raised him up. You know what the law is? It is the knowledge of sin. If you want to go on and read, when Moses came to Egypt, things didn't get better. It got worse. Before, they gave them straw. The enemy, the Egyptians gave them straw whereby they could make their brick. And it made the Egyptians so mad. They said, we're not giving you any straw. You go get your own straw. But you got to make the same amount of brick that you made before when we gave you the straw. And now they turn against Moses and said, why did you do this, Moses? You know what God's doing? Like I told you last week, you know, when an eagle, she makes her nest and she lays her eggs in that nest. And that's where she teaches them and trains them. She feeds them. She watches over them. But them eagles are not designed to stay in that nest their whole life. You know what she will do? She'll put briars and thorns in that nest to make the nest uncomfortable so they'll want to leave. Israel has to be made to want to leave Egypt. And God has to make you sick of this world so you'll turn your back on it. But it got worse. And Pharaoh made it worse. And they said Moses made it worse. But you know what they did? You know what them little eagles do? 
they get up on Silent Nest, and that mama, she's watching them, and she'll maybe nudge them off a little bit, and they, I can see them just a twisting. They go, am I going to hit the ground? And about that time, that mother eagle will fly down and catch them. And what she's teaching them to do, to trust her. The only, the only bird that flies with its little ones on its back, not in its talons, to get to that little one, you've got to go through her. What a picture of our Lord. We shall rise up with wings of eagles. We shall run and not be weary. We shall walk and not faint. He said he delivered them. And he did. He did. Verse 36 in closing. He appeared to them, and the same one that appeared to him in the bush went with him. In just four little simple words, he brought them out. Moses supposed that they knew he would bring them out. Moses didn't bring them out. You know what he said about Israel? You know what he says about you, Cheryl? You're the apple of his eye. The apple of his eye. Yeah, that's what he said. He said, he said, you touched my firstborn. Those were my firstborn that you drowned in that river. And you know what I'm going to do to yours? I'm going to kill your firstborn. And he did. There was not a house in all Egypt where there was not one firstborn dead. And you know what brought us out? God's firstborn. The blood of the firstborn. That's why. That's, that was the last plague. And here they come. God brought them out. And all those that were being saved there in the days of Stephen, God was bringing them out. There's something worse than Egyptian bondage. is bondage to sin. God brought them out. I've come down to take them out. But not before he brought all those plagues upon Egypt. When they sent darkness that you could even feel, there was no darkness in the houses of the Israelites. This world is in total darkness, but you're not. You know why? You're his. If you're his, he loves you with an everlasting love, and he came to deliver you. He had to come down to the land of Ham. He had to come down and live among us to deliver us. That's what Stephen is telling these men. And they just can't see it. Can't see it. And he brought them out after he had showed signs and wonders in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 more years because they would not believe him. They wouldn't obey God's voice. And that whole generation died in the land of Egypt. I'm thankful God has sent us a deliverer. These are, these are not just Old Testament stories. And Stephen knew it. He taught them. He used the scriptures and he knew they knew these things. They could recite these things. Stephen could. And he taught them. That that one that you rejected and said, we, he, who made you a judge and a ruler? God did. God made him a judge and a ruler. Either you bow to him or he'll destroy you. One of the two, like he 